Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. All right, welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian Garlic here. And we are going to talk today about how to build, move your e-commerce brand into actually a brand from just a store and make it stable, uh, make it a legacy brand and really bring in traffic from multiple channels, how to do that, how to think about it, how to think about your store, how to think about it holistically. And I've got Josh and Josh, you know what? I just realized, is it Apple or Appel? It's Apple. Yeah. Like Apple. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I meant to ask you before we got started, but from startup slang, um, they've helped tons of e-commerce stores, especially in the Shopify space, not only build new Shopify sites, but also in the, in the traffic department, in the SEO department, everywhere, thinking about it completely. And I think this is a big deal because there's a lot of, I mean, e-commerce has blown up, right, Josh? Uh, yeah, it's absolutely exploded over the last year, right? I mean, any player who was not in e-commerce last year got caught with their pants down. We were seeing crazy plays to get people onto platforms like Big Commerce in the span of three days, and money was no object for these agencies that was doing it. Wow. And before we get into how to do this and how to really scale, because I think this is one of those big, huge moments we'll look back five, 10 years from now and go, this is the big one of those big e-commerce, one of those big business moments. Let's talk a little bit about Startup Sling, how you guys got started and what you guys do. Uh, yeah, sure. So Damiano started the company a number of years ago, um, actually going door to door in Toronto, uh, which is our headquarters. Now it is just going into stores and figuring out um, if he could build a website for them uh, to sell their things. And one of those first partners was a hardware store downtown. And uh, yeah, we actually, um, well, he actually built the store himself on big commerce. <laughs> uh, nowadays, we do a lot of our work on Shopify, but, and then he, he kept doing it. So he actually created a few listings online and got more uh, people who were looking to get set up. Um, then we ventured into the marketing uh, and the business of scaling these stores. Um, and I actually met Damiano on a sales call and I was trying to close him on some uh, internet mastermind or something. And anyways, he was trying to figure out how to break a certain revenue point, which is hilariously low to us now. But anyways, he bought for me and then I ended up joining his team as one of the directors uh, a little over a year ago. Nice. Yeah. And, and we grew like crazy over the last year. I can imagine. I can imagine. And, you know, and, and things, have, I mean, it, it's, everyone says it's like, it's a five to seven year leap that we've done in the past year, year with COVID and everything. Adoption um, wise. Yeah. Yeah, it, for sure. It, it's, it's changed so much. So what services do you all provide? Let's, let's clarify that to everyone too. We do a lot. We have a, we have a big, nasty catalog. <laughs> <laughs> but most people are coming to us um, to try to redesign their store for better conversion. Um, we get a lot of very sophisticated buyers who have stores that are operating already at a decent revenue. Um, but they're still, maybe they're like around that 100,000 per month mark in revenue, or maybe 50 to like, say, 250. You know, no, there's fewer players in the space helping stores like that become one of the main players in their niches. And that's that, that kind of thing is requires a lot of strategy work. So one thing we specialize in the startup slang is not just being another vendor who prints websites and just mm -hmm. does generic marketing campaigns. 
there's a lot of strategy work we put into the beginning of the project to figure out like, okay, for this offer, what platforms do we think is going to work? Um, what partners do we think are best to bring in? Is there going to be a custom development piece that uh, needs to happen here to take it to the next level? Um, sub businesses like, uh, like box, box shipping companies, and they've been popular for a while, but um, take some of those. They have an entirely custom software piece, right? Just to help someone like to, first of all, auto generate the box and then allow someone to customize that. Not a lot of companies are providing uh, the custom development work, the level of it needed to uh, integrate web apps with Shopify stores. And that's something we really excel at. So nice. And the, I mean, mud? This, sorry, <laughs> clear as mud. Clear, yeah, clear as mud. No, I mean, but it makes it makes sense. It makes sense. And, you know, because what I like bringing on is to talk to experts like yourself, because it, that's why I like having agencies on, because you're, you, you have such a large scope of what you see, right? You can get you can get your quote unquote guru on and they're going to tell you about how to run Facebook ads or how to run this thing. But they're not really talking about the nuts and bolts of what really builds a brand. And, you know, that's the, the shortcut is actually built, getting an agency, I think, that can do multiple things because you're, you have a bunch of experts seeing things. But so but what is that magic point? Because, you know, someone gets to a million, two million dollars a year in revenue on their on their store. What is the thing that's happening that they that they should go, OK, it's time for me to look outside of here and actually hire someone instead of just learning and do it all myself? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, I think most of these brands are in a situation where one particular channel, like they may be marketing on multiple channels. When I, when I talk about channels, I throw that word around. Well, it means is like a given ad ecosystem. So either like all of Amazon's listings or all the placements Google offers or everything Facebook offers, including Instagram. Okay. Those are all channels. Um, most brands in the position you just described are usually doing one really, really well. And it just exploded for them. Like their offer audience was a lit the fire, right? Or maybe they put a lot of money to it until it worked. And the other ones are either kind of just piddling along or being used for retargeting. It's rare, but you, you might find a company like doing like in equal business in two channels and, you know, but oftentimes like if a company is like that, they're already over 250 in revenue, right? So that's the leap. Can you go from having one successful marketing channel where you can profitably move product to having two or more and you become multi-channel. And that's really, that's when you start getting into like the millions of dollars of revenue a month being like one of the brands that comes to mind in a given niche, right? People will be like, oh, I want to be like so-and-so. Mm -hmm. So a lot of customers who come to me between 50 and 250, they've got like the top three people in the industry that they have modeled their whole business over and they're obsessed with. And they're like, look, we're doing everything the same. Why are we not on that level? So what, what are the, I mean, besides the channels, what are some of the more, more common things? I mean, is it good at that point to keep modeling or is it better at that point to try and have a strategy that shifts you off that model? This is contentious, but in my personal opinion, if you're going to go head to head with somebody, you better have like something that's different from the way they do things than you do. Like you got to at least have like a different philosophy or approach or color scheme for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't just be like a complete rip off of them or you will always be a D player. Right. Yep. Um, so if they're like, you know, really heavy on like the light color, like, uh, you know, like handmade or whatever. Right. Maybe like, you put out more volume and it's cheaper, right? Or if they're doing things cheap, like, but they're only like 
um, if they're selling kits, maybe you sell like the individual pieces, right? Or maybe there's some sort of subscription model you're going to put in or a bundling thing or a club, right? Or, or maybe like a percentage of your stuff goes to plant the trees, whatever it is, it has to be a different flavor because you're not just going to stick your chocolate next to their chocolate and think that like it's going to perform the same because they have the reach and they now have community, which is the true power of brand. Like they've got people who have been going to them and they're like, I like them. It worked last time. I'm just going to go there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and, and how do you decide, I mean, like when someone comes to you, how are you figuring out what that thing is? Is there, you know, is, is it, do you start at the website or do you start there at that discussion of like how we're going to differentiate ourselves? So our clients usually have a lot to say about this. I mean, they've been obsessing over their brands for minimum a couple of years at this point, right? They probably know what they do best. Um, if they're really pressed for it, I'll just look at their business model and like point out something that they seem to have an edge in and say, what if we lean a little bit more into that, right? Mm -hmm. Once you have that edge established and short of like doing something like super unique with software, then it's about opening up other channels and actually having professionals who can make those work from the existing data. And that's not easy because if you're talking to a Facebook ads guy, the answer to all your problems is Facebook ads, right? <laughs> yeah. So you do not want to be talking to that guy at this stage. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point because most people at this stage, they think it's, it, I need to get a better ROAS return on ad spend or, you know, scale up my ads, not shifting completely, but really, I mean, any business when it goes to a next level has to make some major shifts. It's not just pushing harder on the levers that you have right now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of people who come to us who are looking to squeeze more blood from the same stone, right? And you can get like increased conversion rate will do wonders for any one particular channel, right? But it's not going to be life-changing gains, right? That's like a percentage optimization that will like help your margins and like help a dollar go further, help you hire that extra person, right? That's what conversion rate optimization can do for you. If you're already following, like you've got a decent brand authority on your website and your design's pretty good, you know, you're not going to jump from two to 4% by changing a button color, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that's going to like, if, if you're looking for a huge jump in conversion rates, I always ask myself like, okay, who's going to your website? Because the who is important, right? Someone looking yeah. to buy your exact thing is, okay, they might buy double the, they might have double the chances to buy as someone completely from cold Facebook. So the who is super important there. And then, um, yeah, like you're, you're just not going to like make micro optimizations from two to 4%, right? At that point, you know, if you're struggling to grow, your solution is not squeezing, it's opening up a new channel and just let's keep it at two and see what we can do if we double the traffic, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I mean, it, it, and it's a back and forth thing. It, it, what people start, because I see it all the time with e-commerce owners. It's like, hey, how can I get better at Facebook ads? How can I get better at Facebook ads? Then all of a sudden they realize, oh, I need optimization. They're like, oh, and that gets to the next level. But now what you're talking about is the level past that. It's like, okay, I've gotten really good at one channel. I've got decent optimization. Now I'm going to look to how to, to shift this and how to become a brand. So, you know, when someone comes to you and, you know, and they're coming to you for a custom website and, and to do these types of things, what do they have and what do, where do you think things that they really need to have to succeed? Maybe it's mindset or what are the, the, the hallmarks of someone that's able to make this leap? Someone who's ready to invest in longevity of web presence. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, you have to throw money at it. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying all the biggest brands in e-commerce 
that last a long time that are the major players, right? Mm -hmm. They all come up when you Google search them and not in the ads. They come up in the organics and true like SEO, like true optimization for search engines is expensive to do, especially when there are major players in the space, especially when a space is like matured, like say dog food or mattresses. There's already advising sites on there, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to become a major player in your industry, though, that's like, that's where the money has to go. Like you have to become the people who show up when you search the name. That's, that's it. Like yeah. that's where the, and if you're not willing to invest there, you're always going to be chasing these circus tents, as far as I'm concerned, like Facebook ads, which they're like, I look at Facebook ads, like kindling, man, they'll turn off your business like that. Um, it can be fun and easy to start up. But in my mind, when it comes to Facebook ads or anything like that, it's not, if you are going to have your account suspended for no reason, all of a sudden for a month, it's when, yep. and it's happened to our, like it's happened to multi-million dollar clients of ours and they were entirely dependent on Facebook. This happens to them and they're like, Whoa, we had, we have no momentum outside this one channel. Uh -huh. And you know, they did like 1.7 million revenue in a year. Right. Yeah. Earlier this year, account shut down reason. Um, I don't even know, community guidelines, whatever. Not controversial product at all, by the way. It's a piece of clothing. I won't say what it is, but um, not controversial at all. Just randomly shut off. So oh yeah, I, the organic's where it's at. And that's like the mindset. If the person comes to me and they're like, hey, we hired an SEO. We hired a guy who's done SEO before and he's looking for a vendor. I'm like, okay, these people are very serious about being a player in the space for the next five, 10 years. I agree with you completely. And even if you're not like, even at the beginning, I, I talk to this to everyone is so if you're heavy into funnels and I see this all the time where people are heavy into funnels, they completely yep. ignore their online reputation. And I don't mean reviews. I mean, what does someone see when they Google your space, your name, you know, the bigger the ticket, the more important that is because I've, I've talked to other agencies about this. They're like, yeah, we, we can't have any direct attribution to our ads, but we know because they said they saw it. Because they, they go someplace else and then they come through your website, right? And, and do you, so when you're building a website, are you taking into account that whole framework of what they're doing on the ad space, knowing that most likely someone's going to bounce around and come back? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things I always ask people when I'm doing a conversion audit or a UX audit is, okay, where's your audience coming from? And what do they click to get here? Like, what are they expecting? Because a mismanagement of expectation is a great way to decrease your conversion rate, right? Mm -hmm. Someone clicks, oh, I wonder, you know, like if they clicked something and they thought it was going to be an article teaching them something and it's a product page, bounced, right? Yeah. So some markets have very high market awareness and everybody knows what the products are. And you don't have to go too far in detail. Other products like certain nutraceuticals, um, you're selling magic in a bottle. And a lot of times people don't know why yours is more expensive or what it even does. So you have to invest so much more time into the product display page, product display page being a product page, being your, the salesman for your product on the website. If someone's coming from Google shopping and they want like a shovel, <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to take too much description, right? You just get yeah. some lifestyle shots. You're good. Right. But if I'm going to come to you, I'm going to buy like a uh, mushroom based supplement to for long-term brain health. Right. It's a lot of education that needs to go into that product page, especially now, if you're coming from my YouTube where I just told you no big deal, but if you're coming from Facebook, and you just saw a picture that says, get this benefit, there's a lot of teaching to do, right? So we do that's, take that into account. Yeah, it's huge. That's it. Yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, and I see that a lot too. Even when they're good advertisers, it's it, there's such a mismatch 
between that intent and what's on the rest of the website. And they go for the sale right away when it comes to the website. You know, when we talk about custom design, what point do you realize to, and what goes into a custom, say Shopify store versus something off the shelf? What, what, you know, why is that important to a brand and what goes into it? So honestly, all e-commerce websites, almost all, except those that are built as their own custom thing, are building on top of a theme, right? A theme file, um, which is basically the chassis of a car. So, and honestly, these are usually pretty well done. Like you don't want your, uh, you don't want your partner spending another 120 hours to reinvent a wheel. That's just going to look the same as the wheel next to it, right? So yes, everyone starts with the theme. Now, the cost of delivery is dependent on how much effort the person put on top of that theme to make changes and extra features and tweaks. Now, the goal of your build is going to determine what kind of theme you start with. So you might start with one that's extra fast because the goal is super, super page speed, load times. You might start with something that has a built-in menu that you know is going to take 40 hours to develop from scratch, but you could just use this theme, save the customer a ton of money, right? Um, but most of the people who come to us who are in that uh, mid-ticket range who are looking for bespoke, what they're looking for is custom sections and elements that make it feel less like a template. They want their branding to seep from the logo, even in like the little playful elements in the site so that, you know, people feel like this is like, oh yeah, this is a legit brand. They put a lot of thought into this website, right? Like the, this, this website has like a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's what ends up like bringing people back again. Like they may buy the first time. Right. But if your website shopping experience was super fun and they vibe with it, they're going to come back again and again. Right. That's it. It's interesting to think about that. So because yeah, it's, it's that experience. We say branding, but it's more about experience. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we drop in the word branding for experience. Um, and you know, what, when it, this works, is this a short-term play? Is it a long-term play? Cause I mean, it seems like it's also a long-term play, but you know, wh how, what are the short-term results that you all have seen doing these types of things? So you mean the short-term results of opening up a new channel? Do you mean the short-term results of overhauling a website design? Overhauling the website. Oh, you can see, um, depends on how bad the previous design was. Right. Um, but when we're overhauling a uh, website design, we're often building in new features, um, particularly features to increase average order value or uh, lifetime customer value. So that means uh, subscription stuff, that means bundling, that means upsells, right? So those elements alone, depending on the industry, you can usually double average order value pretty easy with a bundling wow. feature. And you can definitely bump conversion rate by one to 2% just by having a cleaner UX, you know, best case scenario, right? If someone's coming in and their website's already sharp and doing everything right, then if they're rebranding, it's either because they're like they're they just want to have a higher brand authority before they uh, start scaling to try to become one of the big players, um, or there's some sort of specific functionality that their previous website lacked that they've seen other competitors using to great effect. So the results of the, like some, some things like work incredibly well, like frequently bought together. You've seen Amazon deploy that, right? Mm -hmm. um, subscription plans where if you subscribe, you get a discount, right? So say it's like the three month plan. On one site, we had both. We had bundling and subscription. <laughs> it was a custom skin we had to do for uh, an app called Recharge, but it looks quite well, performs quite well. It's a nutraceutical even. So yeah. Interesting. And like from the branding standpoint, I mean, are, do you, are you able to track that? Is it something like, because you know we have these conversion mechanisms, but when you yeah. talk about like making it a, a better experience, you know, you've, you've probably had a few websites that are a few years old. How has that affected overall 
lifetime customer value. Mm, okay, so lifetime customer value is incredibly hard. Yeah, like you, like there. I had a developer partner recently try to create an AI tool to predict this, and like their project isn't stalled, but they're still working on it. What they thought would be a quick, because it's data science, right? It's incredibly hard to predict. What you can do though is get people on subscriptions and predict when they'll churn. And most people let it run a few times before they churn. Which, by the way, you just doubled your LTV. Yeah. Right. And it's easy to tell after a design. Like it's an A. It's an A B test. It's a. It's a phase one, phase two. Like you can literally just reface the website in a week and wait ninety days compared to the ninety days before then. See how the conversion rates and uh, LTVs differ. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Stuff isn't rocket science to measure on the back end. But it, it makes a huge difference, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's the stuff that you're doing makes a huge difference. I, I think that's why I want to bring you on is to talk about it because I, I like I see people think about this the wrong way. It's like, oh, let's drive more traffic, drive more traffic, drive more traffic from one channel. And then, you know, these types of designs and thinking website, we've talked about traffic. What else in SEO? Are, are those the three major things that you would focus on in building a legacy brand? So community is huge if you can do it and it's hard to do it. You know, like pretty much every luxury watchmaker has a community. Um, Jeep has a great community, John Deere, uh, certain clothing brands. Right. And you can facilitate that as like, as much as you can facilitate that, do it because that's the true value of a brand is how many people who are, kind of attaching it to their identity. Customers are very, like a a lot of customers are very identity focused shoppers, right? They're looking for Mm -hmm. something that like, what does this say about me? And I know that might sound silly, but that's That's just, yeah, that's the state (laughs) of how we buy things. Um, It always has been. And we we don't, we think it should be logical, right? We think it should be, but if it was logical, we'd all drive what Hondas. (laughs) We'd all wear the exact same clothes. We'd all (laughs) eat perfectly. None of this stuff's logical, but no, and that's great. And do you, like, when you have a client come in, are you coaching on that community side? How do you, where, how do you direct them on that? Because obviously you're bringing the people in and they need to get the community. How, how are you directing them to utilize all things you, you have to build that community? So if a client's coming to us for that kind of advice, they are usually looking at marketing services and it's sort of integrated to a few of the channels we'll take on. So there's ways you can approach it and things you can test. And all you can really do for trying to get that community traction is tests. You can try groups. You can try influencer staff. Some companies have uh, conventions. Some companies go to existing industry conventions, right? And try like cultivate those fans. It's not doable for every product, guys. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it, maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. But, you know, wherever possible, that's a huge part of uh, having a brand value on a long-term basis. And if you don't have that, just double down the other three I mentioned, SEO being a huge one. Like if you're going to invest in that kind of large scale, top of the industry brand, that's not going to be so affected by uh, snap, like things that happen, you know, like it kicked off yeah. a platform or some big change. OS 14. <laughs> yeah. To name, to name one example that everyone's very painfully familiar with in recent memory. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's great. I mean, SEO does change, but if you're doing SEO by the book, meaning great content, usable content, et cetera, it's, you're going to end up winning. Yeah. How we do SEO is uh, we have a relevance focused approach. A search engine, its job is to pair people with the best result possible for their search. So whatever's Mm going to make them feel, ah, exactly what I was looking for, right? We call this vaguely relevance. So 
if Google is solving for relevance, every time they update their algorithm, it should be a step closer to finding the most relevant results possible. So if we do SEO work that is entirely focused on relevance and prioritizes that, say, I know link quality is big and content, you know, length and keyword density, all of that stuff is good, but it's secondary to relevance. So as long as it's a slave to relevance and you're building quality links, you're future proofing. Yeah. It sounds so simple, but everyone wants it's to not. go for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly difficult, but the philosophy should be simple enough that you could explain it to a kid, I think. Yeah. It's simple enough to explain to a kid actually doing it. It's like, it's like chess where, you know, my, my seven-year-old kind of gets how it works. Is he going to be a chess master tomorrow? No. <laughs> no. no. Uh, and, the principle is simple. The execution is actually a lot of grunt work, to be honest. SEO is not easy. And I mean, since we're on that topic, like when you talk about grunt work, when you're talking about an e-commerce brand, you know, it's one thing in services and B2B because there's you can go so deep. But when you talk about grunt work for that, for an e-commerce brand, what does that involve? So on the SEO side of things? Yeah, on the um, SEO side of it. So what moves the needle in SEO, uh, assuming we've got, like we're, we're paying attention to relevance, is high domain authority links built to our site from other sites. And usually what that means is not, they're not coming from a directory. They're coming from a guest post. And a lot of times those guest posts don't even look like guest posts. So what we have to do is an organic email outreach campaign to other players in your industry and adjacent to your industry who are not your direct competitors and convince them that they should allow us to put a piece of content on, the, on their website, which helps them and helps us. But sometimes there's a fee. Sometimes, you know, it's only a small percentage of people who get back to these campaigns. So depending on the campaign, you may only secure a few high quality links per month, right? And it's a grind because you got to write that content and you got to negotiate the deals and then you got to make sure they posted it. And there's a whole, you know, any one of those pieces you could look at and say, oh, I could figure that out, but you're not going to do it. Just hours and hours and hours of effort, right? Yeah, and there's and there's a skill set to each one of those. There's a nuance to everything that you're talking about. The exactly. quality of the content, how to how to ask, when to ask, how often to ask. You know, because I mean, we just did this with Chris Schreier, who does personal injury, uh, you know, personal injury SEO, and they we did a big case study with him because he, you know, they did this to get number one for car accident attorney in the United States, but it was a like they said, it was a grind. He could show the whole case study because like. Hey, most of you aren't going to do it. And if you do it, you're not going to do it well. Yeah. Um, and that's why people go to people like you. I mean, this has been awesome. Awesome advice. So where would you start besides just calling you, you all? I mean, the shortcut is obviously call up Starb Slang. <laughs> uh, call all, us up. Get them in. Yeah. Of turn all some these, lights here. Hang on. Yeah, no problem. Oh, wow. There we go. Wow. Yeah. There we go. Um, besides calling you all up, what, which one of these components would you start on or would you start on an audit? Where would you start out of all these things we talked about? Community, SEO, new channel, new website. Yeah. It's got to start with some sort of, like, you got to talk to a strategist, right? Because everyone's going to be in a slightly different position, right? There's going to mm -hmm. be the smaller players Like we still take on smaller guys who are looking for that proof of offer. If you're a core demographic, you know, people who are looking to scale, you're the top three competitors you're trying to beat are going to be completely different than the next guy. So yeah, you're going to want to talk um, to a strategist. If you're just sort of uh, looking to like get into a space around other e-commerce brands like you who are trying to grow in there in like different industries than you, right? And you're just trying to figure out what's working for people. Might I suggest you join uh, our own community, right? We do have um, a community on Facebook called Cult of Commerce or Cult of E-commerce, I think on Facebook uh, that we manage and we actually try to do a live training in that group once a week on one of these topics that I discussed with you today. 
So we'll take a channel, we'll bring on someone who all they do is the advertising for e-commerce on that channel, and then we'll grill them. <laughs> and uh, I have like a, a rotation of around 12 of these topics we go through. So like hit each once a quarter and yeah, really informative stuff. Awesome. And that's a Facebook group, correct? Yeah, it's a Facebook group. And so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you're watching this on YouTube, the link's down below. And if people want to get in touch with you and follow you, it's startupslaying.com, right? And then where, where's the best place to follow you, Josh? Definitely check us out on YouTube. Check out that Facebook group. That's actually going to be the best, I think, because I'm trying to do regular work in there. Feel free to reach out. Our contact form is on the website, startupslang.com. You're welcome to email me, josh at startupslang.com. And I'll make sure uh, either myself or our CEO, Demiano, uh, has a conversation with you to look into your case, but yeah, no rush and no worries, right? We're here to provide as much uh, information about this stuff as possible. And, you know, like we're, we're working like maniacs. So <laughs> um, the production calendar has no shortage of work for us. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been great to have you on talk about growing the brand. It's been a pleasure talking with you as well, Ian. All right, thanks. And thank you all for taking Josh and I on your journey. This has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video, you know it'll make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer? An agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. Facebook.